0: Today, we're going to study a man named Eli. Uh, And his story appears in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. God gave Eli a set of responsibilities. For instance, as high priest, God gave Eli responsibility over the tabernacle, which was also called the temple. Uh, The temple was uh, the Old Testament... uh, Place of meeting, physical place of meeting between God and his people. And it was so important to God that he specified every detail about the temple and how it would operate. God told Moses on Mount Sinai uh, that the interior of the temple should be uh, split into two parts uh, by a curtain. And the first part would be called the holy place. And then on the other side of the curtain would be the Most holy place. And God instructed that the most holy place would have one item in it, a golden chest that would hold the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. The golden chest was called the Ark of the Covenant, and it was so sacred that the place it stood in the most holy place could only be entered once a year by only the high priest. As high priest, Eli was responsible, responsible for the temple and he was responsible for the priests who would uh, administer the sacrifices to God at the temple uh, as they were offered by God's people to God. And it just so happened that two priests who worked under Eli were his sons named Hophni and Phinehas. Unfortunately, here is what we learn in 1st Samuel chapter 2 about these two guys. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. In fact, Hophni and Phinehas were so wicked that they routinely used their priestly role in order to use and abuse the people of God. Uh, Worshippers would bring a meat sacrifice to the temple, and Hophni and Phinehas would say, oh, 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 uh, before you give that meat to God, first give some to us which is bad, you might say. But you might say, why is that Eli's problem? I mean, Eli can't know everything that's going on with all his priests, right? Oh, but Eli did know. Just take a look here in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse 22. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the temple. So Eli said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear spreading among the Lord's people. If a man sins against another man, God may mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? His sons, however, did not listen. To their father's rebuke. Why? Well, apparently Hophni and Phinehas knew their dad very well. They knew that he was a passive man who would not stand up to their evil and take responsibility. Eli was very old, which means that God was patient with Eli for a very long time. God kept speaking to Eli, but Eli was passive. God kept nudging Eli to stand up and take responsibility, but Eli was passive. Eli stayed passive as God spoke to him over and over again. Eventually, God had to speak to someone else who would listen named Samuel and then bring that message to Eli. Here was the message. And the Lord said, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone tingle. I will carry out against Eli everything I've spoken against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Meanwhile... God's people are losing battle after battle. God's people are discouraged and demoralized against their enemies, the Philistines. So Eli's sons got involved in a plan, a terrible plan, uh, and that plan was to go into the most holy place, which Hophni and Phinehas were not allowed to do, and then they packed up the ark, which they were not allowed to do, And then they marched the ark into battle as kind of a cheap mascot to rally the troops, which God could never bless. And so God's people were decimated, and the Philistines captured the holy ark as war booty. (laughs) Only one lone soldier survived to come back and report to Eli. As it says in 1 Samuel chapter 4, when he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching, because his heart feared for the ark of God. Do you hear that? In his heart, Eli knew that what his kids were doing in entering the most holy place was wrong, but Eli just sat there in his chair. Eli knew they were wrong to take the holy ark in this way, but he just sat there in his chair. Eli knew that God's tender heart was broken, but Eli just sat there in his chair. And while Eli sat there, All heaven around him was stomping and screaming and saying, Eli, get up. Eli, stand up. Get out of your passivity. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and take responsibility. Do something. Do something. Say something. But Eli just sat there until that lone soldier reported that God's people were defeated, Hophni and Phineas were dead, Eli had lost the war, lost his family, and lost the holy ark of God. And we're told when the messenger mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the road. His neck was broken And Eli died, for he was an old man and heavy. Eli lived like a passive man in his chair. Eli died like a passive man in his chair. He died just sitting there until his life was crushed under his own passive weight in his chair. And I'm sure Eli had his excuses for being passive excuses for why he wouldn't stand up and take responsibility. But God preserves this story in his word in order to teach us something. And that is that when it comes to my God-given responsibilities, God is not taking excuses. Excuses don't cut it with God. The Bible promises that at the end of your life, at the end of my life, God will evaluate me. God will evaluate you. In the last pages of the Bible, uh, God says that one day I will stand before him and books will be opened. Books will be opened that chronicle how I did in this life when it comes to a select area, select couple of areas of God's responsibilities that he's given to me. Revelation chapter 20. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened and all were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. God's fair. God does not evaluate me on circumstances that are beyond my control. God evaluates me at the end of my life based on God-given responsibilities. select group, starting with my work. God gave Eli a job. And with that job, God gave Eli the responsibility to stand up and do his very best. Eli did not. Just like Eli, God gives me. God gives me the responsibility to do my best at my work. God holds me responsible for doing my best, whether I'm a manager or a mom or a salesman or a student or uh, whatever uh, I put my hands to as a retired person, you may say, wait a minute, it's just a nine-to-five job. You know, uh, I'm not a priest like Eli. I'm not curing cancer here. I'm just paying the bills. Well, no matter what you do, it's a step above first century servitude. And yet this is God's message to household servants. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, God holds you responsible for doing your best. Maybe You're not doing your best at your job. Maybe you clock into your job and you're grumpy and you're unhelpful and you just find it quick to find things to complain about and you say, well, that's the way everybody else is. That's the way all my other coworkers are. Well, God's not taking excuses. God's saying, I call you to stand up, to stand out, to stand out for my glory. It is your God given responsibility to make your workplace a place of worship where it is evidence that you work with joy and excellence because it's not people that you are reporting to. You're working for Jesus. And if, and if God demands that kind of excellence in your job out there, How much more does God demand your A-game when it comes to what you do here in church? Yeah, that's right. In Scripture, God commands every Black Rock believer to stand up out of passivity and participate. Participate in his work here at Black Rock. Every believer must use his or her gifts in the body. Every Christ follower must serve Jesus in the church. We all must stand up and give Jesus our best at what we do here. Uh, The Butterball Turkey Company uh, has a customer hotline uh, that helps people, especially around the holidays, to cook their Butterball frozen turkey. And a true story Uh, one lady uh, called into Butterball with an unusual turkey question. She called saying, I have a turkey uh, that has been buried in my freezer for a long time, and I was just wondering, if I cook it, uh, would it be safe to eat? And the Butterball expert on the phone said, well, probably yes, but uh, how long has it been in your freezer? And the woman replied, 10 years. And the butterball expert said, whoa, 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 a decade, a decade frozen, well, yes, it's okay, probably okay if it's been frozen uh, that entire time. But listen, um, after 10 years, the flavor will be completely deteriorated. It will taste awful, I would not recommend it. Now listen to what this 10-year-old turkey lady said next. She said, oh, thanks. But don't worry, we won't be eating it. We'll give it to the church. <laughs> Folks, this is what we're dealing with. <laughs> this is what we're dealing with. This is what this is the mentality that we are fighting against here at BlackRock. Uh, we're fighting against the idea that. It's just church, it doesn't need to be great. The idea that church is the place where you bring your leftovers. Here at Black Rock, we believe the opposite. That if it's for the Jesus who gave his life for us, if it's for the Jesus, the perfect savior, who gave us the church, that it has to be our very best. We can never give (laughs) Jesus leftovers. Whatever we do has to be done with our perfect savior in mind and has to be done with excellence and dedication and devotion and that we would never, ever, ever serve Jesus tasteless turkey. Don't just sit there, God's calling you to stand up in your God-given responsibility to serve in this church and to serve doing your very best with all that you've got. And maybe you're not even serving, and you need to stand up. Maybe you are serving here, but you've gotten sloppy over time. You don't show up on time. Sometimes you don't even show up. You don't prepare. You don't pray. You don't give it your best. You're giving leftovers. No, would you really give Jesus tasteless turkey? Don't just sit there. You need to stand up to your responsibility, both to serve Jesus with excellence out there, but especially with excellence in here. Someday, you're gonna stand before Jesus. Someday, I'm gonna stand before Jesus. And I'm telling you right now that I'm working so that when it comes to my preaching, I can stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, those sermons that I preached to BlackRock, they were not all equally devoured with the same relish. But I'll tell you, Jesus, I never preached a tasteless turkey. <laughs> a few chewy chicken nuggets, maybe but never a tasteless turkey. Another area that God holds us responsible for is the area of my family. Scripture gives us degrading details about Hophni and Phinehas, not because the Bible wants to focus on those two creeps, but no, instead wants to focus on how Eli was passive in his God-given responsibility to be spiritually involved in the spiritual health of his family. And I want to be careful about what I say here, about what the Bible says, and what the Bible does not say on the subject of spiritual training in your home. First, what the Bible does say is that, that believing parents have a God-given responsibility to be actively involved in living before their children, And showing their children, sharing with their kids what it means to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. God emphasizes this responsibility in Deuteronomy. Impress my commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you give up and when you get up. And as these words make clear, the Bible does say that believing parents have a God-given responsibility to be actively involved in the spiritual health of their family. But now let's go to what the Bible does not say. The Bible does not say that if kids grow up and turn their backs on God, it is somehow the parent's fault or responsibility. I know dads and moms who have done their best and then see their kids make choices to forsake God and they carry this false guilt around with them and God wants to lighten your heart load right now. If this is you, your heavenly Father wants to comfort you because he knows how you feel. God had two kids in the Garden of Eden and he loved them perfectly. He gave them perfect spiritual training and yet Adam and Eve rebelled and broke the father's heart. And his heart now reaches out to yours if you've experienced this kind of pain. There are spiritual decisions that only your child can make. Parents, do not take your child's responsibility. But God does have a responsibility for you meaning that God calls every believing parent to get out of the chair of passivity and stand up to the responsibility of sharing Jesus with your children so that they can make or not make the most important spiritual decision in life. Keeping in mind that sharing Jesus is gonna be totally different depending on whether your child is four or 14 or 40. If your child is young and receptive, Parents, you need to share what you've learned in the Bible, no matter how much you've learned or how little. You need to share who God is, what it means to please God with your life, and how to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Parents, you, you need to do this. This is not the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher. This is not the responsibility of the youth director. This is not the responsibility of this church. It is your God-given responsibility to teach your child what it means to love God, to know God's word, to value prayer, to resist destructive temptation, and experience the grace of Jesus that overflows with love for people all around. All this assumes. Yep. All this assumes that your child is young and receptive. Uh, if your child is not, then maybe the worst thing you can do is to force feed your faith onto a resistant teenager or an apathetic adult son or daughter. Don't be passive, but don't be preachy. If you see resistance, probably your best play is to pray and pray and pray. Don't be passive. Pray. And then maybe after praying, you'll find opportunities to share winsome stories from your own life of how you've experienced the life-changing love of Jesus and how that's pouring out of you to your child and beyond. Find the balance that's expressed in the wisdom of of Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, one last area of God-given responsibility, my soul. You know what your soul is, right? Uh, some try to deny it. Some try to claim that we are just flesh, blood, bone, but we all know inside that there's an invisible part, a spiritual aspect of who we are that will live on after our body disappears. The Bible calls that invisible part of you, your soul. And that your eternal soul is made to thrive on a loving relationship with your creator, God. Unfortunately, our souls are born separated from God because of our sinful pride and selfishness. But God loves us so much that he came in Jesus to die on the cross to reach our souls, to save our souls so that we can one by one choose to receive this gift of his forgiveness simply by putting childlike faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And then we have a restored relationship between our souls and the creator. Of our souls. And if you understand this, then you understand the biblical truth that your soul is your most important God given responsibility. This is what Jesus teaches when he said, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The state of your soul is your responsibility. If you are passive when it comes to your relationship with God and your eternal soul and you are in and you enter eternity with your soul separated from God, it is your responsibility. If you are passive, there is no excuse that's going to work. If you are passive, you can't blame your passivity on your circumstances in life. You cannot blame your passivity on your parents or anybody else. If you're passive about your soul, it's because just like Eli, you've decided to tune out the voices of heaven that are stomping and screaming and saying, stand up. Don't just sit there. Stand up. Stand up and take responsibility for your eternal soul. And in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do just that. To stand up physically as a sign of what's happening invisibly in your soul Stand up physically out of your chair as your personal communication to God that you are rejecting passivity and you are taking responsibility for your soul and growing it with the Lord in Jesus. So there are three chairs representing uh, three different kinds of people in this room who may need to stand. Uh, They're all going to stand at the same time. and maybe you won't stand at all, which just okay. There's no pressure here to stand up at all. Uh, if these three chairs don't apply to you, just sit uh, and pray a uh, blessing on those who stand around you. But I think there's uh, some who are hearing from God today. I think there are some who are hearing from God in this holy moment, calling them to take responsibility for their work in this world, for their families and especially, more than anything else, take responsibility for their souls. So some of you are in this, uh, this chair here, uh, and this chair is for those who need to receive. You need to stand up out of passivity and receive Jesus for the first time. You have never done this before. Well, maybe you've heard the story of Jesus, but you've never personally received the forgiveness of God through your personal faith in what Jesus has done for you upon the cross. I mentioned that there, is, uh, there are books in heaven uh, that are open that have to do with what we've done with our God-given responsibilities. If you fulfill this responsibility of receiving Jesus, your name is written in another book. It's called the Book of Life. And maybe your name is not in that book. But today, you want to step up out of passivity and stand before God and said, and say, I want my name in that book of life. I believe in Jesus. I declare my belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. And I want to follow him the rest of my life. That's receive. But maybe you're in the category of you just need to rededicate your life because the truth is, even though maybe your name is written in the book of life, you have been Passive. And you need to stand up out of passivity and say, God, I have drifted away from you, but I am committing to my relationship with you. I'm taking responsibility for my soul before you right now, and I am going to commit to grow in you. Or maybe you're in this last chair. This is the resolve chair. You have a relationship with God, but you hear God calling you to make of specific resolution when it comes to growing your relationship with him. Maybe you're hearing uh, God say that uh, you need to step up out of passivity to serve in the church and to do it with excellence. Maybe you're hearing God calling you to step up out of passivity in your family and pray for your family. Maybe you're hearing God calling you to step up and join a community group. Maybe you're hearing God calling you to spend more time in his word, getting to know him, and you're going to take the red letter challenge. If you're going to take that red letter challenge, I'm going to ask you to stand up uh, and, and to declare that before God today. And of course, if you stand up and you haven't gotten the book yet, then that means that right after the service, you're going right out there and you're getting that book because you want to be ready to start a a week from tomorrow. Or maybe you've got another Bible reading plan and you are going to commit to it. Or maybe there's some other specific step that you say, I'm stepping out of passivity. I am taking responsibility for my soul and my relationship with God. So now's the time. If you are in one of these chairs, would you please stand right now? So right now, you're not standing before me. You're standing before God, just like you will on the last day of your life, on the first day of eternity. So right now, just in the quiet between you and God, express your heart and what your decision is in specific in your relationship with him. Express that to him now. Jesus, thank you for calling us up out of passivity. Thank you for calling us into a relationship with you. That is our responsibility. We have a soul. We can't blame anybody else. This is our responsibility to grow in a relationship with you. But we know we can't do it by our own effort. We need the filling of your spirit. So would you fill us all again with your spirit to empower us to fulfill the vows that we're making before you as we stand up before you today? Thank you for watching Black Rock's Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we wanna invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.